You're listening to the Hypotheticals Podcast Season 2. I'm Andy. I'm Adriano, and this episode is brought to you by heavy-duty, secure titanium mesh pie cages, so you can safely cool your pastry creations on your favourite windowsill without worrying about theft from cartoon criminals and nursery rhyme ne'er-do-wells. Andy. Adriano, hello. Hello, you're watching a lot of TV these days? Uh, well, more than I used to. <laughs> I think that probably goes for most of us. And, I mean, Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Disney+, Plus, YouTube Red, all these services which aren't sponsoring us. I shouldn't be saying their names because they're not giving us any money for it. But uh, even terrestrial TV, you know, if you're old-fashioned that way, there's so much stuff. You might think that the well has been plumbed to its very depths. But I say no, there is yet further we can go. And I'm thinking specifically about reality TV shows, because there's money to be made, right? You just Yeah, there's a, a bottomless well of, uh, of rubbish television <laughs> that oh my needs God. to be made. People will watch that for days. And I mean, are we really doing our part to contribute to mankind's sort of net cultural output um, if we don't increase this, uh, this art form to its full potential? So what are you asking here, Adriano? I'm asking, Adi, if you were going to launch your own reality TV show... Um, what would it be called? Okay. Well, a lot of reality TV shows are far too positive, and they look through life at people who are generally happy people, or who are at least, you know, um, not too upset with their lot. They're aspiring to something. But God, what about a TV show where there's nothing to aspire to? Just hopeless. That, yeah, and that is called Death Row. Um, so it's a <laughs> reality TV show based around Death Row, um, yes. I, I don't exactly know the details of this, but I feel like there's a lot of drama inherent to, to that scenario, and that needs to be plumbed. Um, and, and maybe an example of this is is Come Dine With Me Last Meal. Um, so <laughs> you've got all of your um, your inmates, and it's the night before the big day. Um, the big and... day. <laughs> They're all excited. They're a bit nervous. Ooh. <laughs> But, uh, uh, you know, to um, as a big finale, they, they all cook dinner for each other and vote on, on who's the best. That's probably a big saving as well for the prisons, because, I mean, there's a lot of debate, obviously, about um, the death penalty versus lifelong imprisonment versus, you know, uh, imprisonment generally. It's, it's a very uh, topical issue. Uh, and the, the drain on the taxpayer's purse of feeding and housing all these inmates and all the rest of it. Um, and then you go and give them a, you know, a last meal of their choice as well. I have no idea, but I can only imagine uh, that, you know, it's lobster caviar every time and fine <laughs> champagne. I mean, that's got to be, I, think, I want to say at least 10% of a prison's annual expenditure has got to be going on uh, whining and dining these uh, terrible murderers and things. So you get them to cook, that's, that's savings. And it's good for team building, albeit temporarily. Um, it's and, important on death row. But like, I think it would be great if, if it still had the same prize, which is a thousand pounds. Like, oh yay, <laughs> one thousand pounds, and then it's gone yeah. the next day. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, people have descendants and so on, and I mean, what a legacy to leave behind, right? That a you can tell pounds. some other hardened criminals. Um, and I, I want, I'm wondering now, sort of, would they be granted access to a professional kitchen, like a, a ready, steady cook scenario where it's like, here's all the, you know, top of the range ovens. We've got six of them for you so you can do everything super fast, super great. Or is it like, you're in your cell, mate. 
Uh, <laughs> as many rats not... as you can catch. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to bring you anything sharp. We're not going to bring you anything that could be used <laughs> as a weapon or that you could no fire off yourself. No, you're just going to have to kind of see what you can manage. Uh, you can use the microwave, maybe, but it's going to be plugged in out here. And if we see you messing with it, yeah. You get, you get like one thing you can put in the microwave. Basically, it's like spam sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> an, just an a, entree a of soup. collation of, of sliced spam. And yeah, it's a cold soup. Maybe maybe ramen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important to get your shiv especially sharp if you want to cut up these onions. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I'm crying because of the onions. It's, I promise, <laughs> it gets quite dark. <laughs> It really does, yes. Partway through cooking, like the the guards come in and take the shiv away, and but you know they're still trying to stay positive. It's like, no, it's fine. That's that's all right. Yes, <laughs> we got some cut onions and then one sort of half onion, but that's just that's we'll make that a centerpiece now. <laughs> Put that in the middle. It's gonna be fine. Be delicious. But come come dine with me. They're often extremely vicious to each other. Just in their barbs, their their comments when they rate each other. It's anonymous afterwards. So I love the idea of them all going back to their cells and giving each other really terrible scores. <laughs> just. <laughs> Just get all that last-minute venom out, you know, just all the rage against the system. That can be channeled towards TV-worthy, um, you know, shade. Mm. Or maybe it's actually the prison guards who are cooking the meals for them, and it's more of a laid-back experience for the ah. prisoners themselves, and they've got to pick the favourite prison guard, and the prison guards are really upset if they don't win. That's brilliant. Yeah, they can just... Uh, it's, it's more of a judging sort of cookery competition. They ask the same uh, last meal of, like, four different guards, and then it's about who, you know, puts it together the best way. And, and then they go to, you know, they talk about the presentation and the mouthfeel and... Yeah. And the guard that gets the lowest score has to swap with one of the prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> That's the prize! Like, now you yeah. have to be a guard until your dish doesn't cut the mustard. That's a food pun, Andy. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> I thought I'd point it out just in case. It's topical. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. And honestly, there's more that could be done in prisons generally. I think they're tremendously underutilized. I mean, what are they getting prisoners to do? Like, rehabilitate? I don't think so. Uh, what are they doing? They're getting swole, <laughs> like in the yard or whatever. I'm not, I'm, I don't even know if they're bothering these days. Facilities probably suck. Sometimes they, like, are indentured laborers to fix electronics. Or I, Most of what I know from prison comes from Orange is the New Black. At one point, they're making underwear. I, I don't know what's up, but the point is, <laughs> not enough, right? People are getting bored in there, and we, people are getting bored out here. Let's make a connection and fix everybody's problem. Um, and it'd be great for raising awareness too, you know, because, you know, the plight of the prison population, there's all kinds of things wrong with the system, and we can really, in Dickensian fashion, um, <laughs> go to the, I guess, the, the lowest common denominator of, uh, <laughs> of published media which i guess back in dickens's day was just the newspapers but uh nowadays we have we have, we have delved far deeper my friends um and in much the same way that he might write oliver twist to uh draw attention to uh you know conditions in the workhouses um we can get politicians or millionaires or something and uh put them in jail and just <laughs> you know it'll be about like it, it, instead of um being like secret millionaire you know and he's going around pretending to be just, oh you know, secret your secret um prison warden there we go that's brilliant yeah put him in there he's the, jail, he's the so head of the prison knows. and he goes in and he wants everyone to like him and he picks out the best prisoner <laughs> he gets yeah. to go free regardless of what he's done <laughs> no absolutely it's just about how personable they you know the person within the person they are now that's what's important that's rehabilitation in action or, you know, just get some politicians. And I'm just on board with putting politicians in jail and just seeing how that would shake down. 
I don't even know if you'd empty the jail first or just have all the murderers in there as well. Oh, I was imagining it would be all the murderers in there as well. Yeah, I think they're both... Certainly if it was uh, specific politicians that we're thinking of. Yeah, everyone's got, you know, their favourites or their least (laughs) (laughs) favourites. To take an absolute left turn, um, I've got another idea. Which is, have you heard of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here? I have. For American listeners, may not be familiar, a load of uh, quite low-level British celebrities go to Australia and have to sort of do various challenges uh, in this jungle. Um, But I'm thinking... What about, I'm not a celebrity, get me into there. So <laughs> this is this is charting the struggles of various Z-list celebrities that no one remembers as they try to get onto, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. So uh, each has to increase their profile enough in the process of this reality TV show to be relevant uh, in order to get on the show. And they have to get as many, um, in kind of quotes, votes from the public as possible. But uh, those votes are in fact just polls of random people on the street and they say, do you recognise me? Do you, do you know the name John Ellen? And, and people go, no, I've, I've never heard of you. And then their face is full. Yeah, they're out there doing the polling personally. Like, oh, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I they don't like... have the budget for this show to, to get independent pollers. <laughs> no, no. And their celebrities aren't getting paid anything to be on here. So it's really, it's very, very cheap, actually. I feel like you might end up just doing a lot of watching celebrities like on Twitter and stuff, trying to garner a following. It might not be super interesting, but better yet, what if they self-fund their own trip to Australia or wherever I'm a Celebrity is getting filmed and it's just them trying to break into the <laughs> set, you know? They just hang around in case someone is suddenly taken ill. Yeah, just waiting fact, fact, to be noticed. You see them like preparing like pills and just dropping them into people's food. Like, oh no, I can't believe they're ill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's bizarre. <laughs> it's like sneaking through the undergrowth. Like, yeah, what's going to happen is I've been, I snuck into the producer's tent last night and I found out that, you know, this, this, uh, you know, this episode, the, today's uh, Bush Trucker trial that they're, is that what they're called? Bush, I, yeah, yeah, Bush Trucker trials. I've watched it once. There we go. Uh, that they're filming today is going to involve eating live scorpions so what I've done is I've you know I've I've figured out they're going to be doing it right here I'm just going to hide in these bushes and then you know they get the real celebrity I say real celebrity but like a celebrity (laughs) and they sit them down and they get the scorpions out and they're like oh here comes the flying saucer and then bam that's when you pounce dive in front of it like a like an FBI guy diving uh, CIA (laughs) I guess in front of the president Um, you know and you take that scorpion and once it's in your mouth I mean that's your challenge now yeah, or you you hang out. Some of them have like crocodile pools where there's a few alligators and things in the pool. You just uh, blend in with them, and uh, they like they're mm. diving down to find the various coins or whatever they need to find to pass the task. The stars, I think, and then suddenly you just swim past the camera. Yeah, there you are, you're just in the background <laughs> with a cheery wave. <laughs> yeah, you're more photogenic than that. You know, you show your good profile. You uh, you make sure you got your makeup on all good. You got a really good crocodile outfit. You look great. <laughs> Yeah, who who ever heard of this crocodile? No one. <laughs> Fang. Ugh, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. I should be on that show. I should be in that pool. I think that's very good because I've got to say, I think um, there are far too many. I mean, I'm a celebrity isn't one of these, to be fair, as far as I'm aware. It's more about um, sort of what will these people do for fame? What can we feed them? <laughs> what sort of dangers can we put them in? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that takes me in two directions. One of them is um, people willfully putting themselves in danger. Um, and secondly, like what emotions other than because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of trying to find love. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of pride, like come dine with me is a lot of sort of like the kind of keep up with the Joneses sort of pride, right? It's like, I'm the best suburban sort of armchair chef. I'll show them. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and- it's, you know, it's over a thousand pounds. It's not like, it's not who wants to be a millionaire, is it? 
It's not. It's not going to be like uh, the major leagues sort of. Yeah, they're not getting celebrity chefs in. Chefs in, are they? It's just people who reckon they can cook better than Karen down the road. <laughs> so you've got that pride, and you know you've got your Love Island and all the rest of it. You've got the Bachelor. You know, there's, there's millions of these find love type dealios. Um, I like the idea of uh, exploiting other human emotions or like different types of human connections. So you've got rivalry, you've got love. What about hate island? Not <laughs> not love island, right? Just you've got to that's good, yeah. You've got to isolate your perfect nemesis out of all these incredibly hateable people that have been specifically <laughs> chosen for being really incompatible with you. You just got to oh, find the worst one. <laughs> Because, yeah, on the, on those shows, they often say, we get, you know, 10 hot, young, sex things, and we put them on TV. And mm. this would be like, we got 10 old, bitter, cold crones, and <laughs> we put the them on an island. curmudgeons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't wait to hate each other. <laughs> they keep their hands off each other. <laughs> they keep their hands very much to themselves. <laughs> it is PG and appropriate. <laughs> Just watch those ratings go up. Yeah, it'd be the best. And there's got to be others as well. Like, um, is The Apprentice actually about finding an apprentice? I have no idea. I mean, purportedly, but often I think they kind of, they win and then he kind of dumps them on the quiet because mostly they're terrible people. They're not very good at business in actual fact. Oh, well, that's distressing. Okay, but there's there's got to be potential for like, you know, find your find your loved one or, you know, at least your next hookup. That's a common one. So we've got find your arch nemesis. What about find your next business partner? I guess that's kind of the apprentice. But what about like... Just really boring your... networking. Yeah, super boring networking. You know, which <laughs> like find your next housekeeper. Like uh, your last cleaner wasn't working out. You had to let it go. Now, you know, is it going to be this guy? Who knows? We found six cleaners. Yeah, pick one. Or, like, or better yet, find your biological birth parents. Wow. Right? Or better yet, pick your biological birth parent. It could yes. be any of these people. Let's see if you pick the right one. You decide. Yes, it goes one of two ways. It's either like they've tracked them down. Like you're an orphan or, um, you know, someone who's been adopted and you're like, please help me, you know, TV network execs. And they're like, we're on the case. And they track them down and they lure them in with prize money uh, because they didn't love you enough but the prize money and then uh, they find a bunch of other people who maybe they're your parents too and then you've got to find the right ones in the course of the series if you do you get to keep them if you don't you'll (laughs) never find out (laughs) or or the other way is the TV execs have no idea who your birth parents are. Nobody knows. Random people. They just got a bunch of people. Maybe you'll like some of them, and then you know, strike up. Oh, they can be your parents now. You guys. So they, they all want to adopt some some adult children. Yeah, that maybe could be quite wholesome, actually. Right, just make a new family. Yeah. yeah, on set in front of all these viewers. Just to c- circle back very quickly to Hate Island. <laughs> I, yes. Quite often on Love Island, there's a dynamic where people have to couple up and then they get voted on to stay in, depending on like how much they like their couples or find them engaging. Mm. And then there's often people who steal other people's partners. I love the idea of what? two nemeses and one of them is stolen by someone else and they go, no, he was my, <laughs> he was my nemesis. My to <laughs> And they get really sad when they suddenly don't have anyone to hate anymore. Well, they do say that hate is not the opposite of love, right? And, you know, that spectrum is like a circle and hate and love are very close to each other. And really the opposite is indifference. So mm-hmm. what you want to avoid is making Indifference Island. Where just, indifference you know, Island was, would cares. not be very good television. Or maybe it would just in a really kind of zen way. Like you just watch a bunch of people just doing their own thing, minding their own business. There's no drama. 
It'll be a bit like just watching a load of cats on an island, wouldn't it? Where they don't really pay attention to each other. Yeah, but I'd watch the heck out of that. You know, like when they put <laughs> kitty cam on or whatever, even when they're not playing, it's just like, yeah, a bunch of cats, that's fine. I'll put that on in the background. Yeah. Another idea I had is called Keeping Up With The Kardashians. I, <laughs> I don't think it's been done. Um, but this is essentially a group of Kardashian superfans slash stalkers uh, they literally have to keep up with the Kardashians and their well, jet-setting lifestyle. they try to make style. their escape. Yeah, so they follow them from place to place. Um, it could be on foot for a greater test of endurance. Um, mm-hmm. But each is kind of vying for the most candid photographs as they can. Uh, but they need to remain undetected by the security team or they'll quite literally be, be kicked off the show. Fantastic. I like that very much. So the Kardashians, I mean, I don't know these people, but I assume they're travelling quite a lot by private jets and so on. I assume so. So you've just got these people like, okay, I guess I gotta <laughs> walk to Seattle or whatever. Yeah, or like just just frantically trying to find last minute flights. That yeah, get, and like, like, please, you don't understand. Or just like hitchhiking to get there. And then they're like, oh, actually, no, we're going to fly home to our, you know, Los Angeles place. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that season one may be, because I remember, God, this was many, many years ago, and I have no idea what the show was called. Um, I think my dad was watching it, and I was just sort of, you know, catching bits. But it was a guy who was on... Ah, oh, it's so fuzzy in my mind. I don't think he was on a Bigfoot hunt, but that's kind of what it became, because I think what he was actually out for was um, grizzly bears or something. It was some kind of very dangerous creature that was quite difficult to track and find for some reason. And he was one of these macho, sort of like, I can live out in the woods kind of guys, but like not not interested in kind of teaching the ways of the wilderness not like a bear grills type character um but more just like yeah i'm so manly i'm gonna go punch a bear and you you're gonna watch me do it this is a great (laughs) this is a great enterprise right and he had this whole team with him and they you know they were they were you know searching the jungle they were like trailing they were you know he was training uh they had a special like bear fighting suit they were gonna put him in or whatever um and just i remember just the incredible machismo um, I remember at one point he was shaving with a uh, like a straight edge razor, you know, like a Sweeney Todd style yeah, razor. Yeah. And he was like, this is probably the most dangerous thing I've done all week. You know, one, <laughs> this was one not the guy to do it. Just... No, not at all. And my dad was explaining to me because I was very young at the time. And he was like, just so you know, son, <laughs> shaving with a straight edge razor is not that dangerous if you know what you're doing. <laughs> you what, actually... is a, what is a bear fighting suit? It was, was he in, just... like, a mech suit? Like... <laughs> Almost. I want to say, I don't believe it was powered. Like, it didn't have, like, a mega claw or, like, a yeah. rocket launcher. But it was, like, a padded, like, like a fencing suit, but, like, really strong, I think. Which kind of really diminished the heroism of the Enterprise. Well, yeah. I, I had... do like the idea, I mean, obviously, not to harm bears, but that he turns up and he's got this mech suit and he just fires a rocket, immediately just blows up this bear. He's it like, just gets liquefied. Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I'm the manliest. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, that's how some hunters behave. <laughs> like, look at me with my superior manpower and a team of people to usher the birds out of the woods. Bam, I'm the best. Anyway, this guy was doing it with bears. And uh, yeah, and he had this bear suit. And the best part of it is he never got to test it out because they never found the bears. Brilliant, perfect yeah. television. Leave the entire series, exactly, exactly. I, sequel hook right there. I've no idea if they made a sequel. <laughs> I've no idea how much of this I've made up in very distant retrospect. But uh, I'm pretty sure the salient points of uh, Extremely Annoying Macho Man, shaving with a straight-edge razor and making a big deal out of it, 
uh, bear fighting suit or whatever it was fighting suit and never actually finding the animal in question. <laughs> I believe those are all true. That's so, true. yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about before this? I'm going to I'm gonna segue into another uh, section, I think. Good Which call. is singing in the drain. <laughs> So, this is a singing contest with a difference. It's hosted in the storm drains of New York City. Uh, So, if the judges are unhappy with the contestant's performance, the storm gates are opened and the contestant is washed away in a tidal wave of sewage. That is absolutely (laughs) marvellous. Now, are the judges in the sewer also, or are they just up top on, you know, just... On street level, maybe just up top. They're maybe crouched over one of those, um, <laughs> uh, one of the, the circular like grates. A manhole cover. Yeah, 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 they've got like ear trumpets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 a little tinny, perhaps. <laughs> Sounds good though. <laughs> and they just press the button and they get flushed away. Well, no, they've got a guy with a big bucket or just like a big slime hose or something. They they got uh-huh. like a cement truck with like a giant hose just feeding down the drain. Just but, well, I, but I kind of like the idea that it's actual sewage that's been building up for days. Okay, yeah, they've got like a dam down there and then they, you know, they're like, oh, no, not good enough. The exes have been buzzed. Now time to hoist that. And you just, brah, brah, and you see the like door opening. The person's like, no, no, no. And they start running the other way. And just, it's like an Indiana Jones scenario. Except it's, it's just a tide of sewage. But they're still singing. Yeah, well, they've got to. It's in the contract. <laughs> it's very good. No, I like that a lot. That that brings, like, the real kind of... Just the raw human pathos of getting slimed in those, you know, good old-fashioned kids shows on Nickelodeon or whatever, but brings that into the adult realm where, I mean, who knows what's in that slime? Like, they make it look bad, you know, it's viscous, it's green, whatever. It's probably just, you know, delicious custard with food colouring in. Nobody cares <laughs> about that. you got to upgrade it, make it more gritty, uh, make it more fecal. <laughs> You know, for the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> Another idea I had uh, is called... Uh, have, so, have you heard of the show Married at First Sight? Oh, yeah, I think I have. Isn't so this it... is where you meet, you get matched with a person uh, to date based on your personalities, mm-hmm. um, and then you meet them for the first time on your wedding day, and you have a trial six-week period of being married, and mm-hmm. then you decide whether you want to stay married or not. Um Cracking. So this goes one step further. It is called Pregnant at First Sight. Uh, <laughs> oh, <so> no! <laughs> two two people who have never met before have a child together after personality matching. Uh, mm. So it uses artificial insemination. And I was so going to say, you not meet even them, the hookup. <laughs> no, so you meet them for the first time at the birth. Uh, yes, <laughs> and he has to attend the birth. That's oh yeah, he, first he's got to be there. Him holding her hand exactly. and her squeezing it and cursing him as she screams at this random stranger she's never met before. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, hopefully, having an infant to care for will will allow them to bond. And if it doesn't, you're <laughs> permanently bound together anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's a real sort of middle finger to all of the people who think that having a kid together is going to save their relationship. (laughs) This is like, oh yeah, well let's test it then, shall we? (laughs) I like that. That's very good. Yeah, no children, absolutely. Well, listen, no children were harmed. While we're talking about um, psychologically just messing people up for life... Uh-huh. Um, and also overlapping a bit with prisons, which I know we already discussed, but um, there's there's so much fertile ground there. Uh, you're familiar with the Stanford Prison Experiment? Uh, yes, vaguely. 
Okay, well, as a refresher, and just for any viewers, um, viewers, yes, um, listeners who haven't heard of it, the Stanford Prison Experiment was a real psychological experiment carried out in, I think, the 70s, which I, I believe there was like the golden age of uh, sort of unethical psychology research um, between, I guess, uh, probably, I don't know if the Nazis started it, but I want to say they were probably sort of on the crest. And I don't want to say these guys were Nazis. I just want to say any time before like the 80s, 90s, 2000s, I don't know how recent it was, like disturbingly recently, um, we decided sort of as a society that uh, actually it's possible to traumatize people, especially children, um, and maybe you need to run your idea by like an ethics committee or someone to say it's okay before you just go ahead and uh, do stuff to people psychologically without them knowing you're going to, you know, yeah. in the name of science, in air quotes. Yeah, Never I know. Me. Well... <laughs> Right? We lost so much as a result of this. I mean, just, oh, the restrictions and the paperwork and the red tape. There are so many... I mean, the Stanford Prison Experiment is a, an absolutely seminal landmark experiment in which um, it was a bunch of college students. Um, so I, I don't know which university. People can look it up if they're that interested. But the basic idea is um, they I wanted to I think it was explore... probably at, at Stanford, Adriani. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Edit it so that I said that <laughs> at the beginning. <clears throat> so, Stanford University, they, um, they divided some students between, uh, some were prisoners and some were guards, basically. I think they did a random lottery. I can't remember if they got students. It doesn't matter. Some were prisoners, some were guards. And they were exploring the psychological effects of being given sort of power over other people. Uh, and being placed in this sort of extremely hierarchical, confrontational sort of power exchange dynamic uh what would happen you know so the guards were given power to like um i think they rigged up a lot of classrooms to be the cells the the guards were allowed to like move prisoners between cells decide when lights out was you know they had to feed the prisoners decide when they ate they were given sort of similar powers ish to um what they would have in a real prison Mm -hmm. um, and it was their job to enforce the rules and, and they were going to just sort of see how it shook down and what they discovered is that very quickly uh, they just lord of the flies uh, all over the place um, complete social breakdown like the guards became horrible fascist monsters um, and it was just a mess like they, they, they completely lost sight of the, the prisoners humanity even though they were literally just their fellow students who'd been locked in there for a few days with them um, and it was just all very abusive and awful uh, I think they had to cut the experiment short, and obviously, um, tragically, uh, this experiment will never be repeated. Uh, <laughs> even though, like, it wasn't even run that well, but you can't replicate it to get better data um, because nowadays nobody would sign up for it, and they wouldn't be allowed to do it. But um, what great television it would be! That's the thing, exactly. <laughs> and all the stuff people are doing nowadays for the sake of, you know, their 15 minutes of fame, has got to be just as traumatising. A lot of people who participated apparently wrote in to thank the organisers of the experiment for, you know, revealing this side of their natures to themselves. They were like, wow, I did not know um, that I could be like that. Thank you. So this is a service being performed, and if viewers can get a kick out of it and, you know, money can be made as well, then that's all to the good. So we just do these old school, unbelievably unethical psychology experiments again, but dress them up as reality <laughs> TV and people will sign whatever waiver. It doesn't matter. Apply them with enough, you know, cigars and champagne and the promise of being on TV. They'll do it. Yeah. I like the idea of these shows where it's not necessarily very nice for the contestant while they're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And things like, do you know 60 Minute Makeover? Um, Heard of. Which is basically, it's a, it's a home renovation show. So you'll, you'll apply for it. And then like uh, these people will come to your house and they've got 60 minutes and like hundreds of people will just like renovate your entire house. And then you come back and look at what they've done. And sometimes it's like, oh, that's pretty nice. And sometimes it is absolutely awful. And the people, you see their yes. faces as their, their beautiful homes have been destroyed by this, this team in 60 minutes, which is not enough time. So, <laughs> so you take this concept, but you go 60 minute homeowner. So much like 60 minute makeover, the show has 60 minutes to find a house and buy it for a couple, but with the couple's own money. Oh, that's so good. So you take these um, real estate, I can't even remember the name of any of them, but there's some quite popular ones, right? Where they've got to find the yeah, ideal oh, house. Oh, Kirsty and Phil, for example. Okay. Yeah. Not head off, but fine. <laughs> yes. So they they do it, but they've got to do it in sixty minutes. Sixty minutes from when they're given the the client brief. Yeah. So they just start calling. The they start calling people and saying, "Have you got a house going?" And they, <laughs> obviously, no one is able to sell a good house in sixty minutes. No, <laughs> no. Oh, always you might end up with anything. Always terrible. They always have paying cash, so it's always quite um, a little dodgy. <laughs> yeah. It's sixty minutes, and they end up with a terrible house. They they haven't really done a proper survey. They don't know if it's going to fall down in ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, the what roof might be leaking. Yeah, don't you don't know. But um, yeah, and then, you know, you're stuck with it. It's like, bye, thanks for the show. Yeah, well, the thing is then, next week, you get the team from 60 Minute Makeovers in to see if they can, you know, <laughs> fix your, like, uh, sunken in floor <laughs> and the fact that the walls were full of bodies. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. And actually, I'm reminded, I don't know if it was 60 Minute Makeover or some similar concept, but it was uh, many years ago, I remember seeing it, and they asked the kids of the homeowning couple um, what they wanted done with the house and it was it went about as well as you would expect yeah they put in slides and things yes but the thing is slides are the least of it i remember seeing an episode maybe i only watched one episode because the one thing that i remember was that this kid like was big into halloween or whatever so he was like i want to live in a haunted castle and they were like done so (laughs) it was all like stone effect walls like torches and sconces yeah oh it was so good it was like dracula's castle and then they were like yeah my mom's really scared of birds and they were like all right i hear you fam and then they rigged up like an animatronic raven that like when you walked in to a specific room it would dive bomb you and go caw, 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 they, from the they must have had to have a promise that they put it back <laughs> you I can't just do that no right but maybe not i don't know how desperate people are to get on tv and i don't know how much people trust their children <laughs> well so, spe- speaking wonders. of children you might want to put that kid on my new show child Ooh. swap yes so you've heard of wife swap now child swap it's, it's, as it sounds, really, um, there's quite a lot of safeguarding issues, but we'll gloss over those. Um, and at the end, the parents have to decide whether they want their child back. And if both sets of parents agree, then they, they just stay with the people that they've swapped with. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> or like if one if one couple just says pretty please and the other's like, all right. Or like there's like a bargaining phase. Yeah. They can like barter some of the prize money or whatever. I don't know if there's prize money involved. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, bye, Jimmy. Off you go. He's like, Mom, no. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> or, you know, the deal falls through and, like, you end up returning to your family, but at least now you know what you're worth to them. And that's valuable yeah. information you can take forward <laughs> into the future. You know, you grew up a bit today, son. We really helped you out. I think that's excellent. And I've got to say, there's a lot of shows where, and I'm thinking of, like, the, um, the child-rearing aspect. Um, there's a lot... Oh, actually, no, here's a good one. 
<laughs> you've heard of Big Brother. I, I have. Now try Little Brother. Um, so it's like, <laughs> you know, like when mum and dad are, you know, going off to whatever, but they, you know, there's no babysitter tonight because you're old enough to look after yourselves now, but you're in charge and you've got to make sure that he eats his vegetables um, and goes to bed at a reasonable time and you both got to do your homework and no scary films, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, but it's it's adults in the Big Brother house, um, except everyone is put in charge, quote unquote, until mum and dad get back. And they're all given objectives. They have to like keep <laughs> the others out of trouble. And uh, it's just like, yeah, these like man children, because I don't want to cast too many aspersions, but like the average maturity level of Big Brother contestants, maybe not like super high. Uh, you could find some even more childish ones mm-hmm. for this purpose. And then, yeah, they've got to, you know, to make sure that they don't get into the cookie jar or whatever. That would be great. I think so. Just the, the antics that would ensue. Yeah, just like parenting under extreme conditions... Um, or even just like the process of trying to make a a reality TV show is in itself quite farcical, I feel. So you might even be able to like, okay, yeah, forget about giving the contestants different instructions. Now you've given the producers instructions to make a reality TV show and now you're filming them and the reality TV show oh, is them making a reality TV reality show. Reality TV right? show Russian Dolls. Exactly. You could just daisy chain them. You could just, how, yeah, you know, how many levels do you go up? Yeah, or it's <laughs> yeah. a circle. They just, you know, they come back round. Everyone's filming oh, everyone else. Everyone thinks that they're producing everyone else. Yeah, exactly. And you just, you know, you get to see those conversations. Brilliant. Yeah, really <laughs> good. You know, Ultimate reality boring, TV but... right there. And they all yeah. have to find their true love. Yeah, at the same time. You try to weave as many of those threads in as you can. Because they're all producing different kinds of shows. Yeah, there's just some people pouring in like cockroaches and spiders from from Irish celebrity. (laughs) There might be some mileage in making them share a set as well. So, you know, like, ah, you come in the next day and like, ah, there's there's scorpions everywhere. We're supposed (laughs) to be doing like the romance, you know, there's meant to be the, yeah. It's going to be great. This was meant to be the sexual compatibility episode, and there's all this, you know, there's all this poison ivy all over the set. Oh, well, guess we've got to go rolling anyway. Snakes crawling into shot. <laughs> yeah. Just adds a bit of, you know. Open like, the fridge. There's, there's loads of, like, termite larvae just in there. Yeah, because they need those later. You can't let this hatch too soon. No. Yeah. That might be too high budget, though. And actually, I moved to ask, what is the cheapest most efficient because making them share a set that's already a good step making them film each other that's good as well but i think we can go deeper what is the cheapest most efficient gossip engine that you can create i think i think i've got it but i'm curious to hear your thoughts i guess i i would think we're kind of already getting there in the advertising world because every advert at the moment is just uh absolute budget advertising like we've got all of our staff and given them their phones and they're going to f- film themselves on their phones and we're going to put crap music over the top of it. <laughs> so I think it would just be a reality TV show where everyone's just filming each other constantly on their phones. I mean, you might have just described like TikTok or... Yeah, know, I basically described Instagram and... Yeah. Social media, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're right, that is really low budget. Basically, you just like... They've already clocked it. You just get someone to talk about funny YouTube videos, basically. The stuff's all free, and yeah, you're off to the races. But I think we can go even, we can go more more densely packed, because you can't trust these guys to like edit together anything actually entertaining. But I reckon the real, the, the juice 
is there in those moments when um, the contestants are, you know, it's just them and the camera, and now they they got a dish, right? About you know everyone else, and you, and then you you basically intersp you have that, and then you have like challenges and whatever things happening, so that you can cycle back round and there's new drama. But what if cut out the middle, not the middle man, but cut out all of that interstitial stuff? You've just got uh, cutaways to them in the camera room or whatever. What's it called in Big Brother? Like they sit in the special chair and they talk to oh, them. Oh, I don't know. Well, whatever. It's, it's, it's a thing. You just have that. So you have them come in. They do their like, hi, I'm Shelly or whoever. And like, I didn't come here to make friends. And, you know, and they, they give their spiel and then they give their first impressions of like everyone else. They make like, everyone seems really nice and cool. You know, I can't wait to, <laughs> wait, no, I didn't come here to make friends. I don't know. Shelly's a bit, you know, all over the place. But point is, they come in, they give their spiel. And then you just have them come back in again. Nothing has happened, but you've got a stack of pre-prepared lies. Like, oh, Shelly, you won't believe what Monica said about you, though. And Ooh, then you get Shelly's reaction, right? And then when Monica comes in, you're like, well, Shelly had some things to say. Oh, and you're just goading people. Part. Yeah, just over and over. And you can, you can like, take clips of what they've said and really edit them so that it's ultra offensive to that Super person. Easy. And then show that person. Yeah. We've got that deep fake technology. It's never been easier. You could replace the whole thing with AIs. <laughs> you just get that loop going until they, they hate each other more and more and more. And then the finale is they kill each other. There we go. Yeah. And that, that's really low budget because then at the end of the day, you don't have to pay anyone. <laughs> like they all fall on their, each other's swords. In their contract, it says if you, if you kill anyone, then your contract is void. And it's like, yay. <laughs> Quit yeah, you just guys. go to jail now. Now you're the state's problem. Exactly. And you just cash in. Boom. Yeah. So I think that's brilliant. Ultimate reality TV show done. Yeah. I think that's pretty solid. I've got a couple of other ideas. I don't know if they're going to measure up to this. Okay. Um, my first one, I think while I, while I was working up to this incredible notion, I was thinking about mashups where you could sort of get the, you know, the circular economy, recycling. Uh, we've got to be more environmental. It's quite wasteful to endlessly just, you know, try and, you know, burn resources to create more reality TV. We need to start feeding some of those back into the system. So I propose, for example, um, you know, the million pound drop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we had an episode um, recently uh, with a pun on that name, but for anyone who's not familiar, that's basically just a game show where they get the prize money, which is a million pounds, um, in banknotes, and it's literally stacked there in front of the contestants, but it's on like um, a, a sort of a trap door. So they'll be have like option A, B, C, and D, and they're like, all right, it's either option, uh, it's option all right, it's option B, and then they put all the prize money on option B, and then as they go through and are like, well, it's not option D, they open the trap door, and then they're like, it's not option B, and then the trap door and all the money just falls through. Right. But you're allowed to like hedge your bets and be like, well, it's either A or C, so we'll put half on each, and then you only lose half the money, and it's just a harrowing process of watching more and more of your prize, you know, disappear into the void. Uh, mm -hmm. And you, you come away with whatever you get at the end of it. Sort of like reverse who wants to be a millionaire or anywhere where the total goes up. They've done it backwards, which I respect. But, you know, dropping that money into an endless black void or a furnace <laughs> or whatever they've got. Like, that's incredibly, like, just think of the expense. That money could be put to better use. And I'm thinking, for example, um, the end of the crystal maze. They used to put them in a um, a big crystal, like a big kind of 
transparent dome thing made of perspex or whatever and then they have a load of fans and they used to blow these like not money but like similar enough like golden tickets and silver tickets and then based on how well they did in the challenges they got to spend longer in the dome and then they had to catch as many of these tickets as possible and then that equated to the amount of prize money they'd get i say just go direct funnel the money in there directly the money you've got to play with is going to be based largely on how much money has been lost by the contestants that are currently filming upstairs brilliant just so I, love, I love the idea that the million pound drop, they literally just drop it into a, a, an endless void and it's gone. It's like, God, maybe, maybe we should recycle that. Maybe we should get that money back. I'm like, what? I don't think they're that smart. Yeah, I've seen the show. It just, it's just blacked out there. They don't tell you where it goes. <laughs> it's just nothing. Yeah, no. That's it. You've got to maintain that mystery at the very least. If they're secretly collecting afterwards, I think all these people would be very disappointed because, you know, that, that heartbreak, that's based on the idea that that money is gone now. Yeah. You know, the global economy is suffering and it's your fault. <laughs> That's what I'd be worrying about. World leaders are having summits. <laughs> Where's all the money going? Oh my God, it's the million pound drop. <laughs> how could they just watching, just like gripping their faces like, no, how can we stop them? <laughs> we need that for the NHS. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so that's one mashup. Um, one other one I thought of was, I think there's a lot of potential. It's mostly in game shows, to be fair, which we've talked about before. So I'm cheating a little bit on the reality TV show theme, but it, it's it's pretty good. Like Scrap Heap Challenge, you know, where they um, they get all these like mechanics and engineers to just like go to a scrap heap. And then they, they you know, their challenge is like, well, you're going to have to build a hovercraft because you've got to get to the other. There's a race on a lake. So you guys have a week. Here's all your scrap. Build a hovercraft. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're geniuses. So they do it. Um and there's all kinds of other shows that need, like, weird complicated sets, like Takeshi's Castle or whatever. they got these weird, like, trucks at the end and stuff. Just combine. Like, your challenge this week is, like, yeah, we're filming for, uh, you know, I'm a celebrity next week and we're going to need a crane to lower someone into an alligator's mouth. So, yeah, <laughs> build a crane that can support the weight of a human plus minus three alligators. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. I've just, I just thought of uh, one called... It's just a name that came to me. It's called Scrap Neep Tatties. Um, <laughs> neep, neeps and Tatties is a, is a Scottish dish of like, I think it's part snips and potato. No. So it's just fine. It's a Scot. It's obviously set in Scotland, but it's just mm-hmm. getting all the like food waste from various restaurants and you've got to craft food at best food out of it. I'm a really big fan on that, of that. Now, I just want to clarify. You said parsnips and potatoes, yeah? I think so. Okay, I misheard as parts of snakes and potatoes, and I was like, oh yeah, those <laughs> classic a, it's Scottish a classic dishes. classic Scottish dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we make bubble and squeak on Boxing Day, they make <laughs> bits of snakes and potatoes, just good old snakes and spuds. <laughs> the staple of any Scottish diet. I like that a lot, though, because I think... Um, we're a little too coddled in the, the gourmet world. Like Heston Blumenthal or whoever, like these experimental chefs, the macrobiotics and all the rest of it, they've got access to too many ingredients. Never has it been easier for them to be like, you know, I need like, um, uh, I need like caramelized goat intestine or, uh-huh. you know, like they can buy that direct from the, you know, the organic farm that's producing it in Paraguay. So yeah, making them really scramble, like not just for time, because that's a common one, but just like scared, like all you get is kitchen scraps. Just mm-hmm. what can you do with this? You've got to convince a panel of expert judges that this is a gourmet dish that you made on purpose with these leavings. It's like Ready Steady Cook where they'd have a bag of mystery items and then they'd pull them out and have to make a dish. But they, they exactly. put their hand but in they're them. Not they're just like, ugh. <laughs> they pull out like a mound of like half rotted vegetables. Yeah, it's just potato peels, like uh, pig trotters. Yeah, it's like, well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real test of ingenuity. I like that. 
Um, let me see. I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but, um, you know Queer Eye? Yes. So that originated um, as Queer Eye for the straight guy. Mm-hmm. It's now just become Queer Eye. I don't know whether that's just a kind of a, like, top gear to the Grand Tour sort of transformation for copyright reasons, because they switch networks, um, or whether they just wanted to expand beyond the straight guy as, like, the sole receiver of their queer knowledge or what. But anyway... Blank eye for the blank guy is a pretty <laughs> solid formula. So a couple of ideas for that would be um, criminal guy for the undercover spy. Ooh. So, you, you know, you've got these it's FBI got agents. I like yeah, it. Yeah, right? They've got to blend in with mafia types for six months to like bring down their whole criminal operation. But they're not going to pass their cops. <laughs> they have an ex-con to coach the undercover spy. Exactly. Yeah, they got these hardened criminals. They got a team of five fabulous undercover criminals. <laughs> and this guy's an expert in arson. And this guy knows how to make the best ransom notes. And this guy talks the talk. And this guy walks the walk. And this guy's a getaway driver. And together, you're going to make this guy criminal scum. <laughs> yeah, it's I, re- solid, I really like that one. That is good. Credit goes to my girlfriend. Uh, Fedra came up with that one. I had a much more boring idea, which is... Uh, <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> Let's go. Um, scientist die for the credulous guy. Okay. I just... I want someone to come around and just, like, clear up someone's... Because they come around and, like, you know, the bachelor's life is, is in his shambles. He doesn't know how to cook. His house is a mess. His wardrobe is, you know, like his mum picked it up for him. It's rubbish. I want someone to come around and just be like, oh, my God, you're filling your brain with garbage. And they just <laughs> clean out your bookshelves. Like, nope, I'm cancelling these magazine subscriptions. Let's have a look at your Facebook feed. Nope, unfriend, unfriend, unfriend. This is rubbish. This isn't true. You've got to Snopes check that, you know? And they're just like, all right, tell me about... <laughs> Just... All right, what do you got here? Crystals? You think these heal you? Nup, in the bin, you know? And they just gotta, like, fix your beliefs. They're just rooting through your brain, like, you're, you've still got one of these? I haven't seen this since 1980. <laughs> yeah, you still got, like, a leyline node or whatever, like, nope. They go through your supplement drawer, you know, like, nope, this is rubbish. You're just making your pee expensive. This is a waste, you know, chuck them all away. Or, you know, even more boring, you get, like, accountant guy for the whatever guy i don't know just like someone comes over and <laughs> can't even fill in your own titles anymore aren't you? well look i just think there's me on that bone because it kind of bleeds over into the makeover style because we've got we've got people who come over to you know they'll make over your house they'll make over your garden your wardrobe your grooming routine they'll tell you how to raise your kids they'll sort out your pets basically people come over and tell you what you're doing wrong with varying degrees of tact Mm-hmm. right through from like dog whisperer who i think is pretty nice about it through to like really judgmental people like i think super nanny's quite judgmental i can't really remember like gordon ramsay he's just furious and you know frothing in your face but like there's more there's there's other aspects they've got to be that have not yet been squeezed out of that so gordon ramsay comes around and helps your kids with their homework <laughs> you know and they or, all, like they all get expelled for swearing Adriano, welcome to Flim Flam Film. This is a, this is a new segment, uh, which is kind of similar to one of our other segments, but let's go go past that. Uh, in which we it's different. There we, is a different thing. <laughs> there are we're pitching each other films. We're not pitching each other films. We're telling each other film names, and one of them, or possibly two of them, in my case, are fake. And then we're gonna hear the synopses for all of these films. And we're gonna try and guess. 
which is the real one and which is the fake one. Um, so find the flim flam films. Yeah, find the flim flam film. So my theme this week is sports. All of mine are sports films. Just a bit, a bit of a clue for you. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna kick things off. Um, oh, oh, that is a sports term, Andy. I don't know if you realise when you said it, but I just feel the need to point out for the listeners that that is a sports thing. Adriano, what do you think uh, the synopsis is for Shaolin Soccer? Uh, sorry, Showering Soccer or Shaolin? Shaolin so, so it's spelled like the monks. Yes, like the monks. S H A O L I N. Yeah, space that's it. maybe. Okay, so ah, Shaolin. I'm quite ignorant of Eastern belief systems. Uh, I want to say Shaolin monks are the ones who are like known for breaking bricks with their foreheads and like standing on tiptoe on top of uh, spears and things. I think mm-hmm. they're quite intensely martial artsy. I feel like so showering soccer is a very different thing. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's it's like, very slippy. It's, yeah. <laughs> It's just it's it's normal soccer, but it takes place like the whole pitch is just tiled. Yeah. And there's all these water jets and everyone's real soapy. Instead of a ball, it's just a bar of soap. It's more like yes. hockey, really. It is more like hockey, yeah. You're you're only allowed to kick it though, no sticks. Um okay, no, but Shaolin Soccer I picture this as a martial arts film, I'll be honest. Uh but crossed, I guess, with a kind of like bend it like Beckham y sort of like football theme. I haven't seen Bend It Like Beckham. I feel like it was a Gosh, was it about like an underprivileged child or someone from a poor community? It was someone was it from, like a... I think they were from Pakistan or Bangladesh and their, their family was quite uh, traditional, but so they didn't want her playing football. Oh, I see. So not underprivileged, like in terms of wealth, but in terms of like restrictive society. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, um, okay, got it. Well, fine. That's it. It's Bend It Like Beckham, uh, except the restrictive traditional family are, you know, your... Um, monastery of Shaolin monks okay so they're all trying to teach you about the chakras and karma and all the rest of it and you're like yeah but check out this sick bicycle kit <laughs> well, well we'll find out if you are on the money later what have you got all right um so my first film for you and i i'm caught out this time i'm the one who doesn't have a theme but uh i just realized looking through the imdb pages that i do have a bit of an age progression it is approximately one film per decade. So okay. that's nice. We're getting a bit of a historical tour of weird film titles, <laughs> uh, sort of from the latter half of the 20th century. And the first one I've got here is Bedtime for Bonzo. Bedtime for Bonzo. Mm. Bonzo sounds like a bear, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I'm, I, I might be offending that. someone if this is a true story about Bonzo, but Bonzo doesn't sound like he is going to become uh, UN um, Secretary General. Uh, well, only because they're prejudiced. <laughs> so I would guess that this entire film is about Bonzo trying to get to bed. And he's, he's walking through the forest and he's trying to find his bed. Um, but these crazy so sleepy. forest animals, they just keep interrupting him with their various problems. It's a kid's film, I think. Um, and yeah, he's got to overcome... Uh, his personal demons like insomnia and uh, stones in his bed, uh, and eventually Bonzo <laughs> and gets to go to girl, sleep. this blonde girl, she will not get out of his bed. <laughs> yeah. She said the other one was too hard. That's not his fault. Get out of here. <laughs> it's the Three Bears film. There we go. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> it's, just, it's time for Bonzo to go to bed, but oh, there's all these challenges. 
Fantastic. Well, we'll find out if you're right. Um, <laughs> later, hit me with your next shot. Okay, this one is called Airbud Spikes Back. And I should I should point out there is a colon after Bud. Air Bud colon yep. spikes back. Yeah. Okay, now Airbuds, is that what the uh, iPhone headphones are called? I think it might be, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's nice. Or well, maybe they're AirPods, but I. Air, oh, that's right, no, yeah. I, nah, mm, look, they're Airbuds, AirPods, whatever. They probably couldn't call it AirPods for copyright reasons. So mm-hmm. this is a um, searing uh, docu-drama. What is it? It's, it's, it's an expose. That's what it is. It's a, <laughs> it's a scorching indictment of um, Apple's shocking uh, construction techniques. Um, yeah, it's about, you know, how... How injured can you, it's like supersize me? Like how fat can you get eating the, the <laughs> filth that these fast food producers will cram down your throat? This is about how injured can you get um, using Apple's products uh, in inappropriate ways that you know they never intended, and then how much can you sue them for? Nice. That's it. Spikes back, like you know, jam that in your ear, and then and then take into court for all they've got. All right, Andy, next one. This one's from the 60s. Uh, Bedtime for Bonzo, 1951. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one appears to have first aired in 1966, which is appropriate, actually. It's called The Pricking of Satan's Thumbs. Okay. Uh, this one is about Satan. He's getting pretty tired down in hell. You know, he's had enough of torturing right. people. It's getting old. So what he's doing now is he's decided to take up gardening. Uh, so <laughs> he enters <laughs> he enters a, um, a gardening to competition. Passion, right? Because he was all about the Garden of Eden, like he was in there with the apple and everything. He was involved. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he was the curator. Yeah, and now it's all lakes of sulfur, fire everywhere, So, but now he's back. So he enters the Royal Horticultural Society um, uh, flower show, and it's all about the drama that ensues as he uses his like mystical evil powers to, um, you know, take out the competition. Uh, like someone gets attacked by a suddenly enraged Buddleia, um, and uh, basically him as he uses his rose garden, pricking his thumbs, uh, nice. fingers, and uh, gets to the the title, and then God is so impressed. He's like Satan, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the final episode. It's like a <laughs> thumbs up coming down from the clouds. Like, you did all right. You're okay, mate. Yeah. Uh, okay, right. Uh, my next one is called Just Not Cricket. Just Not Cricket. I mean, oof. That's almost very easy um, because you could just say it's a film about another sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a film a about film. rugby. Yeah, exactly. Like, it could be that easy. Um, but I, I want to say it goes deeper. There's got to be, like, a secondary meaning there. I mean, this is probably just a, a purely British turn of phrase. Uh, maybe everyone's aware, but that's just not cricket means, um, you know, that's just, that's not on. That's simply, oh, that's not how things are done. That's not fair. Um, so that's just not cricket. I assume, let's see how many layers of meaning we can get here. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's about a different sport. So it is about baseball or something. Yeah. And it's about a controversy, so that's just not cricket, it's not it's mm-hmm. not fair, from when they were discriminatory and wouldn't let crickets, as in grasshoppers, <laughs> play in the major league. 
It's a bit like Bugs Life, if Bugs Life was a sports film. <laughs> exactly, yes. It's that perfect intersection. Or like <laughs> Ant Z or whatever the other one was. It's like, there's, you know, one bug dreams of bigger things in a Damn. world. <laughs> Where I gotta find better films. You get in them all. Bang on the money. <laughs> <laughs> I've just seen a lot of obscure. You know, I'm a I'm a cineast. What can I tell you? Um, all right, Andy. You must have seen the man who loved cat dancing, 1973. <laughs> can you guess? Um, oh, that's a great title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? It really is. I what. I'm trying to figure out what the narrative flow of this film would be, because it's easy to imagine it as a YouTube video of a cat sort of dancing, and it just zooms in on a man's face, and he's really enjoying it. He just loves it, like, So maybe it's a film that was based on that true story of that one-minute video, uh, and Mm -hmm. it actually follows the life of that man in that meme after that meme grows to uh to prodigious fame and everyone's seen it and it's actually quite a sad documentary drama about Mm, how his life unraveled and how suddenly the public scrutiny tore him apart he's separated Ah. from his cat Um, the cat's on cocaine it's terrible (laughs) the the cat's now too good for him um, yeah, it's going to all these Hollywood parties. He's not invited. The cat's doing lines off of hookers. You know, it's just it's descending into degeneracy. For days. Yeah, yeah, just oh, and he's just out in the rain, like looking through the window, like no, my kitty. But eventually, they are reunited, and the cat realizes what a fool he has been. Um, and uh, the, <laughs> the man dance, of the cat, story dance, finally gets. <laughs> it, it ends with him going on to host a uh, reality TV show for cat dancing. There we go. Marvellous. Yeah, because he loves it. That's perfect. Yeah. And then and that just sort of like rolls behind the credits. You just get like scenes from it. Quietly. <laughs> yeah, very good. I don't know why I'm helping you out with these. I mean, obviously, you've, you've got it. Yeah. Okay. My next one is called Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. See, that, that sounds very cultured. That sounds like something I should have seen. Um, I have not. But let me see. Field of Dreams. Let me see what I can dig up. (laughs) That's related to fields. Um, Field of Dreams. I could have said, see what I can dream up. Anyway, uh, Field of Dreams. I feel like that that goes one of a couple of ways. So either it's like you had big dreams for this field, you know? That in in you know like requiem for a dream or whatever like it's 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 really sad. It's about how it never came to pass. Everything was just awful. Drugs, everything fell apart. So you know you you bought this field and you were gonna oh you were gonna plant some crops, um, but then just ah oh, it all it all went sideways because of the heroin. And now <laughs> you know it's just a field, just a just a field of dreams. There's no there's no sweet peas here. He was trying to grow um, some heroin and it all went sideways. <laughs> Maybe that's it. It's about a humble, um, you know, farmer in some far-flung land who just wants to get in on that local drug trade. You see the sketchy <laughs> guys coming by for those, you know, that sweet, sweet opium, uh, those yeah. opiates, you know. And he's like, I'm here. I've got some poppy seeds. i got a field and I've got a dream. <laughs> but it's, and, it's know, pitched like a sports film. So he's like the underdog drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's so plucky. And, you know, he's he's got a big, he dreams big as the thing, but he's just, ah, oh, he doesn't have the follow through just yet. But then, Oh, he meets the, you know, the old mentor who he's too old for the game now, but you know what? He still <laughs> loves it. He's got opium in his soul and he's going to help this kid break into the big time. It's basically the Karate Kid 
um, but for, yeah, growing opiates. <laughs> At the midpoint of the film, there's like the uh, the bit where, it, they, you know, they fail and then they have to come back from that. The judges take it and they have a terrible trip. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. The second half of the film is entirely just the awful trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of, uh, yeah, that's it. That's why it just turns into fear and loathing in Las Vegas or whatever. I've kind of forgotten that these were supposed to be sports films, but uh, there we go. I, pre- I, I prefer know. this version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me see. All right. Annie, let's see what I've got for you next. It is, uh, this one should be easy, uh, 1988, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Ooh. This doesn't sound familiar, I'm going to be honest. Um, mm. It's a classic. Hell Comes to Frogtown. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me about Frogtown. I mean, what do you envision? I mean, I mean, I don't want to be obvious here, but I'm, I'm imagining a town full of frogs. Or maybe... Okay. Maybe I'm going to try and be a bit more original. Maybe it's a town where once a year um, it's, a, it's a plague of frogs comes. And it's actually, a, they view it as quite a beneficial thing. But there's like a massive frog migration. And all of these frogs pass through the town. And they have a big kind of carnival uh, and all the flags. And they watch all the frogs go through. And it's a big celebration. But one day... Like a run um, from the bulls thing, but frogs. Yeah, yeah. And, and then one day... Um, a big agrochemical company starts spraying Ooh. the fields with pesticides, and suddenly uh, the frogs aren't coming to Frogtown anymore. And they just awful. they go out and they find all these frogs dead in the fields, and they, it becomes a massive uh, litigation case against the agrochemical company. Um, and then it, the film ends with all the frogs, and they're back in Frogtown, uh, and they go yay, and they finish with their traditional thing, which is putting them all in a big pot and boiling them. <laughs> Just like nature intended. Finally, mm, pesticide free, delicious. Yeah. Serve up that soup as the credits roll. Ah, <laughs> horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> on an animal, right. on an animal theme, uh, what do you, what do you think uh, is the uh, plot for the bad news bears? The bad news bears. All right. Now I have remembered this is going to be sports related, so I can only imagine. And the Americans they do love their. Um, in what they call football, uh, they do love their animal-themed teams, right? And everyone's always the wildcats or the, you know, the eagles or the whatever. So I'm guessing they're either the bears or they're the bad news bears. So I'm picturing there's, like, in a world where one high school doesn't play by the rules. So instead <laughs> of, you know, they were the wildcats or whatever, something like super generic from High School Musical, um, but they've decided... They don't want it. You know, they don't care about that. They're, they're tired of, like, their chances at good colleges being pinned on whether they're good athletes when they're 17 and, you know, their necessity to give themselves lifelong brain injuries for the sake of, you know, <laughs> amusement of crowds and, you know, all the really quite grim stuff that underpins uh, the draft and all the rest of it. And they're like, no, we've had enough. We're no longer the, you know, we're no longer the, the bear cubs or whatever. Now we're the bad news bears and we're out to sabotage high school football. And uh, I don't know how they actually go about doing so. Maybe they're uh, maybe they're less like a school football team and more like a criminal gang. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'd watch that around. film. Yeah, I'd be interested. Just whatever yeah. puts an end to the carnage. <laughs> it turns into a horror. It's not very pretty. <laughs> it's just it's a straight up slasher flick. Yeah, it starts off trying to make a kind of a humanitarian political point, and then the chainsaws come out and that's <laughs> bear claws and blah, blah, blah. but they're still we playing football. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kicking <laughs> heads over the, uh, you know, I don't know what the lines are called. <laughs> whatever those, yeah, they get it, they score a, you know, a, a touch. touchdown or whatever. Yeah. 
touch face, touch skull, <laughs> something, something. Listen, in horror theme, I'm going to take a deep breath for this one. <clears throat> My final film is, this one is from 2005, actually. So we skipped a little bit. This is past the millennium. And uh, maybe you've heard of this one. It is called Night of the Day of the Dawn of the Son of the Bride of the Return of the Revenge of the Terror of the Attack of the Evil <laughs> Mutant Hellbound Flesh-Eating Subhumanoid Zombified Living Dead, comma, Part 3. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yes. I, I would come up with a synopsis for that, but I can't remember <laughs> what it was. <laughs> Night, we'll of, the, piece night piece of the of day of the living yes. of the no. What was it? Night, night of the day. Okay. Of the dawn. Yeah. Of the sun. Right. Of the bride. This is going to take forever, Adriana. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I, want to give me your best guess? I'm going to guess it's actually a very uh, sincere story about Frank Sinatra's early life. Bam. Got it in one. <laughs> the third it is part. a straight-laced biopic. Yeah, part three, obviously. <laughs> I mean, the man led a rich life. They couldn't fit it all in one episode. The marketing Absolutely. team had a hell of a job to do, but they did well, considering. Well, they changed the brief last minute. I mean, it's not on them. They had all the posters drawn up. <laughs> it was all in the way they edited it. This logo. It, was, yeah. it was actually, strangely enough, you wouldn't believe it, but it was actually a slasher horror. But the way they edited it, it actually turned it just into Frank Sinatra's life. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, there was a miscommunication, and they thought it was um, about the early years of Freddy Krueger's life. <laughs> so they had this whole thing lined up, and then, you know, it turned out there was a smudge on the screen when they read the email. Like, oh, boy, is there egg on our face. Anyway, we wanted to do all this work, so, like, we're just going to throw it away. We're just, you know... We'll fix it in post. It'll be fine. There's some great Freddy Krueger covers of Frank Sinatra's work. Oh, yeah. I bet. That voice. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay. My final one for you to guess is mm -hmm. uh, called Out of Left Field. Out of Left Field. Um, now, that's fun because I know that's an idiom, meaning like to come out of the blue. But, hmm, I do not know what sport... The left field refers to. I feel like it might be a baseball thing? I'm not sure. What what has a left field? And a right field? I don't know. Okay, out of the blue, I assume that means out of a clear blue sky. Anyway, out of left field. Something surprising has got to happen, presumably in the context of sports. So, I want to say... Hmm. What's, what's like a surprising thing that can happen and you can make a film about it? Because... There's all kinds of eventualities where, like, I remember hearing an anecdote where, like, someone hit the cricket ball for six, right? So it sails right out of the stadium and lands, like, in a tree. Uh -huh. But because of the way the rules were drawn up at the time, uh, those guys are allowed to keep accumulating runs until the original ball is retrieved. In a kind of, <laughs> a, like, you have to play it from where it lands rule in golf sort of thing. They haven't written in exceptions for, like, if the ball becomes inaccessible, they don't just get infinite runs. So they were able to just keep going up and down while they like went and got a ladder. So I'm imagining it being sort of set a few decades back, back before the rules had been sort of hashed out. And it's the story of one of these legendary mishaps um, that resulted in like a radical rule change. Uh, and I think, yeah, one of, the, uh, one of the players made it out of left field and they weren't supposed to. They're supposed to stay in there. They're not allowed <laughs> out, but they found a way. Like the security wasn't good enough. Nice. Okay, so we've had all of our ideas what they are. 
Um, do you want to read through your list and give me the actual or possibly fake plot synopses for each of these films? And I will try Ooh, and guess that's... which is the fake one. All right. Have I got some synopses for you? I'm looking so... forward to Night of the Day of the Dawn of the whatever. <laughs> I mean, that is more or less a synopsis in and of itself. But yes. <laughs> yeah. We're going we're gonna to go in, uh, in, in chronological order. So we're starting with Bedtime for Bonzo, 1951. Uh-huh. A college professor attempts to salvage his personal and professional reputation by using a laboratory chimpanzee to oh. prove an environment trumps heredity in behavioural development. I knew... Bonzo, that is a chimpanzee name. You did guess bear, but, you know, chimpanzee, we're in, we're in a similar wheelhouse. Same number of limbs, broadly. Okay. So, I've got... By the pricking of Satan's thumbs. Is it about um, gardening? I think it must be. <laughs> oh, let's find out. And so, 1966, a demonic ritual backfires when a coven of witches tries to sabotage the burning of one of their sisters by witch hunters. Witch hunters and witches find themselves all hellbound together, and the Prince of Darkness himself finds himself put on trial for his misdeeds. I like it. You read that like it was a zany comedy. <laughs> Witch hunters and witches get caught together and the, the Lord of Hell himself comes down. <laughs> They're kooky. They're crazy. Um, yeah, and I honestly don't know the genres for these, so it could very well be a zany comedy. These posters are old and I don't know how to read them, frankly. Okay. Um, then we have, from 1973, The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing. Yes. Now this, apparently, or possibly not, is a western story about a defiant wife who leaves her husband to take up riding with outlaws. What has that got to do with cats? Don't ask me. (laughs) Uh, It comes a little out of left field. Anyway, there we have Hell Comes to Frogtown, 1988. After a worldwide nuclear war, where 68% of the male population was wiped out and virile men become a rarity... Sam Hell, a scavenger and a highly virile man, is assigned to help rescue a group of fertile women kidnapped by humanoid frogs. No, no, there's there's too much much wrong with that for me to take. I'm not done. A virile man. A particularly virile man. A highly virile man. And he sets out to help rescue a group of fertile women. Fertile women, right. (laughs) There are two characteristics about these people. They are women and they are fertile. And he is a man and he is virile. Uh, He is Sam Hell, okay? He is not any ordinary man. Have you found a 60s soft porn film? Because it does sound like you have. (laughs) Uh, 1988. and Not that I'm aware of, um, but (laughs) we'll see. It says here it's a 15, so okay. I don't know what passed for 15 back then. Okay. Anyway, are you ready for Night of the Day of the Dawn of the Sun of the Bride of the Return of the Revenge of the Terror of the Attack of the Evil Mutant Hellbound Flesh-Eating Subhumanoid Zombified Living Dead Part 3 from 2005? Yes, I am. The synopsis is, the filmmakers take the movie The Brain Wouldn't Die from 1962 and wiped the audio clean and dumped it over with a new comedic soundtrack. <laughs> okay. And that prompts me, I guess, to find the synopsis for The Brain Wouldn't Die. But so... presumably that film has nothing to do with what they're now saying. It, yeah. Well, the visuals would. The visuals, sure. Okay, okay. This is tricky. These all sound ridiculous. Yes. Well, The Brain Wouldn't Die, 1962 
is a doctor experimenting with transplant techniques keeps his girlfriend's head alive when she is decapitated in a car crash. Of course. Then goes hunting for a new body. Oh, okay. Um, so could you quickly run me through them again? Just not, <laughs> not, not the synopsis, just the titles. Yes, we have Bedtime for Bonzo. Okay. We have The Pricking of Satan's Thumbs. Yeah. We have The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing. <laughs> we have Hell Comes to Frogtown. And we have Night of the Day of the Dawn of the Sun of the Bride of the Return of the Revenge of the Terror of the Attack of the Evil Mutant Hellbound Flesh-Eating Subhumanoid Zombified Living Dead Part 3. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to guess that The Pricking of Satan's Thumbs, is that what it's called? Uh, that one is the fake one. Oh, you're very good, sir. What yes. gave it away? It sounded too much like an actual film. Ah, <laughs> like damn the, it! All the others were like ridiculous and just That's true. It, yours, that one actually made sense. Yeah, it's distressing. Like reading the synopsis of Hell Comes to Frogtown just really distresses yeah. me. Actually, your, your I title like... made sense. Your synopsis made sense. It was too much. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's no good. Hell it? Comes to Frogtown. Frog what an abomination! Yeah, bunch of froggy guys and just yeah, it's extremely eighties. This highly virile man, big mullet, <laughs> oh mullets on God. all the virile women, fertile women. I'm sorry, women can't be virile, of course. Um, yeah, it, it looks like an atrocity. We're looking at five point five out of ten on IMDb. That so, is surprisingly uh, high. Yeah, but you know these things like people watch them when they're kids and then they quite have this like cult following. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't well, maybe know they, it was that. it's just been lo- watched by a lot of virile men. Or fertile women. I mean, or, or maybe this is what they went to. <laughs> They're just really masochistic. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, they see themselves brought down as possible. All right, run me through yours. I'm okay. ready. So, Shaolin Soccer. Sing mm. is a skilled Shaolin Kung Fu devotee whose amazing leg of steel catches the eye of a soccer coach. Together, they assemble a squad of Sing's former Shaolin brothers, inspired by the big money prize in a national soccer competition. Using an unlikely mix of martial arts and newfound soccer skills, it seems an unbeatable, unbeatable combination until they face the dreaded Team Evil in the ultimate battle for the title. No. <laughs> no so this you were actually kind of close. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, let's carry on. Okay, Airbud Spikes Back. Airbud Spikes Back brings the gifted athlete and golden retriever Buddy back for more action. Buddy excels at the sport of beach volleyball, but in between his domination of the court, Buddy must help solve a series of crimes that evidence suggests he himself has committed. No, Andy, you you are off the rails, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're telling me one of these is real? Oh, no, wait, there were two fakes. There were two fakes. fakes. These might both be fake. Did you say this guy's an athlete and a golden retriever? This is a dog. that's, That's correct, yes. Okay. <laughs> but he might have committed some crimes. Uh, okay. Carry on. Uh, just not cricket. The true story of one man's dream to establish a cricket league for the United Kingdom judiciary and of the Exeter team's unexpected success despite their player's average age of 65. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, I'm prepared to believe this one more. Let's, let's carry on. Okay. Field of Dreams. An Iowa corn farmer hearing voices interprets them as a command to build a baseball diamond in his fields. He does, and the 1919 Chicago White Sox come. That's it. They come and do what? They come and play. Oh, I see. Right. So, hang on, hang on. He's, is he trying to lure a, a uh, baseball team? 
to I'm his not feet. Entirely Is that sure. what's up? I don't like they just they they come and then what? <laughs> I, <laughs> they look at it and they're like, "This is stupid. I'm going home." I mean, I haven't seen the film, but I'm guessing like they hear about it on the news because there's, there's this crazy guy, and then they come and play because they find it entertaining. I don't know. Okay, okay. I'm prepared to believe this. All right, I'm still sold on the first two being fakes. Um, but it's okay. a weird and wacky world we live in. Do you have one more? Uh, I've got two more, actually. Sorry. Two more? Oh, uh, the Bad News Bears. So, mm. this is a bit of a long one. <clears throat> Former minor leaguer, Morris Buttermaker, is a lazy, beer-swilling swimming pool cleaner who takes money to coach the Bears, a bunch of disheveled misfits who have virtually no baseball talent. Realising his dilemma, Coach Buttermaker brings aboard girl pitching ace Amanda Whirlizer, the daughter of a former girlfriend, and Kelly Leak, a motorcycle punk who happens to be the best player around. Brimming with confidence, the Bears look to sweep into the championship game and avenge an earlier loss to their nemesis, the Yankees. Good God, that, that's a long ride. Yeah, let's just call that one real. I don't want to hear about it anymore. That's Some great fine. names, yes. though. Okay, and last, lastly, out of left field. Embittered ex-Major League Baseball player Johnny Red is fired Escapes from his... from the left field. <laughs> ...is fired from his team for his political leanings. Not one to let things lie, Johnny assembles a team of communist baseball players to form the Karl Marxman and takes on the big leagues in a capitalism-busting showdown. Oh no, I think you wrote this one as well. Ha! <laughs> okay. <laughs> The first two and this one, I, I, I believe, hmm, I can see you writing all of those. So let me see. Goodness, the leg of steel. I don't want the leg of steel to be real. <laughs> do you want okay. me to run through them again or do you think you got it? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I'm going to go with first and last of fakes and I'm just letting Jesus take the wheel in this golden retriever <laughs> and do his thing. <laughs> so that shallow socket and out of left field, right? That's right. Okay, you got one right. You got one of those okay. right. Which All do you right. think was Which right? One? I think I think I got the last one right. You did. Out of left field was me. Um, hey! Yeah, Shaolin Sock is real. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, is... I kind of believe it, but Team Evil did God. Yeah, they have some of the most ridiculous special effects you'll ever see. I have seen clips of this film. It is, oh, it's pretty terrible. But again, it's quite well rated on IMDb just because of how ridiculous it is. Airbud Spikes Back, there's a whole series of these films. There's like 20 films with this Labrador or Golden Retriever really? who just oh, does Air various Bud. different sports. Um, are we talking like a live action dog or is this a Bojack Horseman scenario? It's, like it's a live action, live action dog and when they need him to do no. stunts they get really bad um, it looks almost taxidermied <laughs> to like, no. you know jump and, and hit the ball with his nose Oh god, I, I thought you were going to say like a guy in a dog suit <laughs> <laughs> someone in a fur suit Okay, that's still pretty awful though and he's got to solve crimes in between like his busy uh, volleyball career Yeah, and he, he might have committed them himself like, god Oh my goodness Sounds he pretty tense a good boy at all That is extremely tense Yeah, so my well, made up one was the yeah. other one was just not cricket Really? Oh, yeah that, that was just so darn plausible you found Yeah, but really uh, I just couldn't resist it. the pun in the name which was just not cricket, because it's... Oh, I should have seen it! The <laughs> judiciary! Yes, ah, it's that same pun-making bravado at left field, because he's a leftist and communist. And... Yeah, okay. Ah, very good. You got me. You got <laughs> to be me fair, you had, you had two hurdles to fall down on, and uh, I, needed, I, did. I needed one. Yeah, I only got my leg tangled in the second one, so... <laughs> 
Um, all right, well, listen, I've got a surprise bonus round. What? This revenge. isn't allowed? Come on. What? This is highly <laughs> irregular. Um, what I noticed as I was going through these lists of weird films uh, was a bit of a trend, and I found uh, a bunch of films which I figured might be a little on the tricky side to come up with synopses for, so I'm not going to make you do that. I would just like you to identify the uh, fake, the flim-flam film okay. um, amongst these five. Okay, so mm-hmm. here come the titles. <clears throat> we have, uh, released in 1954, we have... Pfft. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pfft. So that is spelled P-H... Treble F for Foxtrot yep. T. Um, okay. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, second movie. We have got Snake. I'm sensing and, uh, a thing is... here. <laughs> yes, that's right. That is Snake with four S's. Uh-huh. Then we have got Bingly Bingly Beep. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I can spell it for you if you like. <laughs> I think I've got that one. I've got that one. Thank you. Okay, uh, then we've got... Um, again, I hope my pronunciation is uh, up to snuff. Sorry, is that there is... a dog there with you, Adriano? I, I think he just barked over the top of you there. He's just really keen to get in on this segment, but happily the film is called... So that's a lucky coincidence. Oh, that, that's um, one of the Airbud films. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, they hadn't figured out the formula yet. Um, yeah, it is spelled capital R, capital R, capital R... Small R, small R, small R, small R, three exclamation marks. They they did not pass uh, first grade, did they? <laughs> I don't know, but they made a movie. And then last, but certainly not least, we have got 999-9999. All right. So, can okay. you identify the fake? Uh, so... Can you just read all of them again without stopping, just in a, in a, in a row? Absolutely. We have... <clears throat> pfft, snakes. Bingly, bingly, beep. Rrrr. Nine, nine, nine. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> I love the thought of that being your telephone number. It's like, can I take your number, Adriana? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> pfft, snakes. Rrrr. Bingly, bingly, beep. Nine, 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 nine. Just keep hitting nine for a while. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's my voicemail message. <laughs> leave never know when leave to a message start after the bingly bingly beep. <laughs> <laughs> leave a message after the beep. <laughs> beep. Like people just don't know when to start. It's there to confuse. Oh man, I have no. I don't even know how to react to this. Um, I just want to say that the first thing I searched, it turns out, was a film. So. Like, okay. I thought of something suitably ridiculous, searched, realised it was real, had to come up with something else. It was a process. Is it? Is it Snakes? It is not. Sorry. Do you want I, a runner-up guess? No, <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> okay. what, what is it? Let me, I'm going to go through and I'm going to read you the synopses. Okay. okay. <clears throat> so, uh, 1954, comedy romance. While pursuing new companions, a former married couple keep running into one another all over town. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's got you can see how that's related. 
<laughs> no, nothing whatsoever. No. But, uh, I'll tell you what the... Um, it's got a very, like, 1950s art style. Like, there's a woman with a rolling pin on the front. Like, it's incredibly old school. Um, <laughs> it's got Cupid holding a banner on the poster saying, The funniest story about fouled up romance. And it's a frolic about a man and mate from Moonlight to Mayhem. Starring those... Funny people. Yeah, back when you could refer to your wife as your man mate, and mate. Man and mate, you know. <laughs> it's the, it's the f- funny story of a man and his first mate as they voyage off together and fall in love. <laughs> aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> yes, uh, so that's... Uh, then we have Snake. Um, a college student becomes lab assistant to a scientist who is working on a serum that can transform humans into, into snakes. snakes. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Once this motion picture sinks its fangs into you, you'll never be the same. Yeah, because you'll be <laughs> comatose by the end. Or possibly a snake. Yes. <laughs> Coming to us from 1973, truly the golden age of cinema. Uh, original title, So. Just S's. Just S's. The first one is capitalised. You were spared that at least. Well, at least they've yeah they fixed that at least. They could could learn something from them. Right. We'll get to that in a second. First, we've got Bingley Bingley Beep, which is <laughs> the fake. Oh, I want I of all of them. I wanted Bingley Bingley Beep to be the the real one actually. Yeah. Initially, I had a different sort of uh, beep 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 kind of phrase, and I looked it up, and it turned out it was like a bunch of different films were named things like that. So I had to find something a bit more obscure. I tried different spellings of Bingley just to make sure that. Um, you know, I wasn't accidentally going to feed you uh, some truths <laughs> instead of those sweet, sweet, delectable lies. Um, but I, I think I'm safe. So let's see. Err, on the other hand, um, is about a tribe of prehistoric people who's puzzled because a murder has happened. The first ever one. So, you know, <laughs> nuts to Cain and Abel. These, these guys have never seen anything die. <laughs> The first ever murder. Mortality is a mystery to them. Their whole existence, the whole evolution, they've never killed each other. How sheltered are these guys? Incredible. What do they do? Do they... I don't know. Not hit each other with rocks? Woof. Wusses. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I like this because um, I think it's a French film. And uh, the the main guy is appears to be oh no main woman sorry is the main, I got confused because the main woman is called Guy or as the French would pronounce it Guy which means mistletoe okay. I don't know and then the next guy is got Gérard Depardieu playing le chef de cheveux sales which I believe means um, the chef of dirty hair or probably the chef with dirty hair but I like the idea that he's the chef of dirt like that that's what he cooks. Brilliant. In French, I think it's it's uh, ambiguous. I mean, it's got Gerard Depardieu in it. It's got a certain degree of legitimacy somehow. <laughs> right? It's right. high class, cultural. Yeah. And finally, we have 999-9999. And uh, I'm going to go through this quickly because it's long. So I hope you're ready for this. Mm. <clears throat> Rainbow has just moved to an international school in Phuket in southern Thailand. Am I pronouncing that right? Who cares? Phuket. I think it's Phuket. Is it Phuket? Okay. <laughs> I think we can slip that one past the censors. Um, she soon becomes the centre of attention since so many of her new friends are curious to know about the recent death of a student at her old school in the north. She blames it on a mysterious phone number, 999-9999, a number reputed to grant whoever calls it one wish. Her classmate apparently had called the number and had his wish granted. 
was this wish for death? I don't know. Soon after, he was found dead on a flagpole. Despite Rainbow's repeated warnings, many of her new classmates decide to try this out. Although the various wishes are fulfilled, a series of accident-like deaths occur until Sun becomes the only teen in the group left alive. Death is awaiting him, however, as he has also made a wish which has yet to be fulfilled. Together, Rainbow and Sun, what amazing names, must solve the mystery of the evil phone number and stop whatever it is from killing them. Dun, dun, dun. And in a twist, it's Airbud at the other end. Comes, <laughs> in with a, comes in with an amazing volleyball spike and just takes their head clean off. <laughs> That's what they get for calling the number. Stay there, you guys. Yeah. And if you did call that number, the answer phone message you would hear would be... Awooga! <laughs> bark, bark, bark! That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Hypotheticals. That's Hypotheticals without the R. Follow me individually at Rain Tortoise. That's Rain like the weather phenomenon. And Tortoise like the animal. And you can follow me at Mr. Howell. That's M-R-H-O-W-L. If you've enjoyed this, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Because it really helps. And we'll see you next time. Bye!